Yes, welcome to the NBA panel. Today, I'm honored again to be joined by Michael DeWarte, award-winning journalist. Michael, what's going on? Hey, John. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Everything's good, man. Been a while. I got to do this from Rolfing, bro. I know you're busy, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm here in the Bay Area right now, so. Yeah, they keep me busy. Um, tell us about the NBC LA coverage for the um, people that didn't, didn't hear you last time we were on. Yeah, so I mean, right now at this time, last year around this time, it was basically the the Lakers and the Kings, the Los Angeles Kings hockey team that is, and the Clippers had all been eliminated from the playoffs. I was on the the Dodgers full time from uh, I would say uh, around late April, May, all the way up until they got eliminated from the the first round of the playoffs in in baseball in the division series in like mid to late October. So. Uh, for me, this is a little different having a team in the Lakers go this deep in the postseason, this deep in the playoffs. Uh, it's been fun. It's been really exciting. It's been an adrenaline rush because really uh, we really haven't had an opportunity to, 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 to do this with the Lakers uh, in almost almost 10 years, 11 years, to be honest with you, John, because um, they had that they had that deep run in the in the you know kind of tail end of the Kobe days. Um, then the next year Kobe tears his Achilles they get swept and then seven straight years they miss the playoffs and then LeBron comes they miss the playoffs that first year LeBron was there they go trade for Anthony Davis uh, and obviously they they win the championship but they do it in the bubble in Orlando Florida where there's no traveling there's no fans nothing like that so uh, then after that they got bounced in five five six games in the first round so this is the first time they've really gone deep multiple series uh, and so, so far, it's been it's been pretty exciting, pretty fun. Right. And this is the first world run with LeBron James for the Lakers and the playoffs. So they're making a taking full advantage of it. This series is giving us everything that we ever wanted. I mean, the series is 3-1 war Lakers. Um, a lot of people think it's going seven, but the Lakers have a great chance to close it out tomorrow night. I know the Warriors are going to come out swinging. They're desperate. They have a harder champion. The Lakers are going to be on the A game from tip to finish or to pull this off. Um. What do you think about the series so far? The Lakers, the Lakers took advantage of their game of the game one win, taking advantage of fresher legs, and now they're up three one. Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. The Lakers, when we traveled to Memphis for Game Six, uh, they looked gassed, they looked exhausted, and I was really concerned that had they had to play the next day, I think they had a couple more days before that, or Game Five, excuse me, in Memphis. Um, I think they had a couple more days between game five and game six. And had they had to play like right away the next day, then I think it would have been maybe difficult for the Lakers uh, to recover. We're talking guys like LeBron James who are 38 years old in their 20th season, having to, to take a four hour flight out of LA to Memphis. And then you're talking a two hour time difference. So it's really a six hour time change. Uh, it was kind of a nightmare when you're flying commercial, like, like myself and some of the other media members. So, uh, it was difficult for, for them, and they looked out of gas in that Game 5 blowout loss to Memphis, but they knew that if they could take care of home court, win right. Game 6 at home, go undefeated on the year, put the Grizzlies out of their misery, that they would have three extra days to rest and heal up. And, and for Anthony Davis' hip injury, uh, that was huge to get that extra rest, uh, whereas the Golden State Warriors had to play a Game 7 against Sacramento. Now, I know their travel time is like, less than an hour uh, by bus or car or however they're doing it. So it wasn't that big of a deal for them. 
Uh, but for the Lakers, they knew it was, it was good and not to have to go back to Memphis where the Grizzlies had the best home court advantage in the entire NBA this season. So that was crucial, and you hit the nail on the head. They were the fresher team, the fresher legs in that game one matchup. And what I saw, I don't know if this is what you but in that game one, what I saw was a, a Lakers team that was the more aggressive team from tip-off. Uh, they attacked the paint with more vigor and regularity than the Warriors who seemed fine just settling back and shooting threes the whole time. And I know that's their game, and then the Lakers' game is to attack the paint, and I know they took advantage of the matchup nightmare for the Warriors that is Anthony Davis, um, right. just an unstoppable guy for, to try to contain. Uh, but the big look at box score and the stats was the Lakers shot 23 more free throws than the Warriors in that game. That was a very, very large discrepancy uh, that I thought was was one of the reasons, as you mentioned, they had the fresher legs. They were able to attack more. And when you are the a more aggressive team, the more attacking team, and this is in any sport, John, this could be hockey, football, whatever, you tend to get calls from the referees going your way, uh, right. even in boxing, things like that. You're the, ag- the aggressor. You're the one taking it to your opponent. You're not the one shying away and hiding and and retreating a little bit. And so uh, the Lakers got all the calls. They got to the free throw line more. And that extra 23 free throws they shot obviously was huge for them in a five-point victory. And at the end of that game, we saw Jordan Poole miss a 30-foot three-pointer with 11 seconds left the shot clock, which uh, I don't know. I know that's what the Warriors do, but I think people had the same concern you did, which is that ain't Steph Curry shooting the 30-footer, which would have been more comfortable. (laughs) <laughs> or even play Thompson, take a couple dribbles uh, and make that a 24 foot three. Uh, and maybe you hit it or look for a better shot because you still had 11 seconds left. But the reason yes. I bring that up to you, John, is because Jordan Poole, uh, he, he he disappears faster than my paycheck come tax season. Right. He just <laughs> he I don't know where he's been this series uh, after that game one miss where he got dragged on social media, I might add. I don't know if you saw the Carlton memes from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when he takes the ball from Will and shoots the half court Yes, shot yes. And yes. I'll put Jordan Poole's face on it for that shot. Yeah. So he was getting dragged in the comments, man. And, uh, and he has absolutely disappeared in that series since then. Uh, so, you know, I, I expected the Warriors to respond like champions uh, in game two. And I, I saw this in game two in Memphis as well. It's like the Lakers, they come there to get one. And when they get the first one, they're content on, all right, if we can't blow this team out and say the first half, you know, we're not going to exert the energy. We're going to save it because we did what we need to do. And now we can go back and get some home cooking, sleep in our own bed and things like that. Now, right. uh, game the game three was similar to game one in the sense that the Lakers, again, were the more aggressive team. They attacked the paint. They got all the free throws. Uh, and a huge disparity in the free throws again. And I figured that in game four, we would not see that happen. That game four, it'd be much much closely called. Scott Foster was refereeing. I thought we would see a much tighter game, a much closer game that would come down to the wire, which of course we did. And and to, to finally kind of wrap up what you were saying, Steph Curry making some of the mistakes that he made at the end of that game, Despite having a triple-double, despite an amazing performance, um, he had a timeout to throw the ball out of bounds on that final possession instead of calling a timeout was just, you know, not something you would see from a veteran 
you know, superstar, four-time champion like Steph Curry. The mistake Draymond made at the end of the game on that turnover. Yes. That, that Anthony Davis jumped because LeBron James told him to, to float out to the corner to guard Clay. All just, right. just some mistakes um, that you just don't see a champion make. And now they're in a situation where their back is to the wall. And the last thing I'll say on this, John, this doesn't feel like, you know, that Thunder series where they came back 3-1 in the past, um, where maybe they were the better team and, and something just happened late. Uh, this right. seems like the Lakers are the better team for most of the series. And whether it happens in six games or not, it almost seems inevitable. And the last thing I'll say is a, a source of mine who who has who's with the Warriors, and I'll pull up their text to me now, said, uh, and this is from a Warriors player, the locker room right now is really frustrated. There's a lot of finger pointing and there's a lot of drama. Uh, and right. that's not a good sign uh, if you're the champs right now. But I do think, I do think, They'll win this game uh, tonight, or depending on when we record this podcast, Wednesday night. Uh, right. I do think they'll win it, and I think it'll go back to L.A. where the Lakers will probably finish it off in six. Yeah, if it does go back to L.A., which we both agree on, I think they have to finish that game in game six. You don't want to go back to Golden State for game seven with Klay Thompson and um, Steph Curry, where they can erupt and get hot at any game. The turnovers were very key, very key. And Draymond Green, when he, goes, when he gets a rebound and goes downhill, I think he plays out of control sometimes. We've seen a couple of plays where he jumped in the air and lost control. He had nothing to do with it. That was a turnover right there. But Draymond and um, Draymond and LeBron James going downhill are two different people. <laughs> and LeBron James, year 20, I love the way he's playing. He's picking, he's picking his positions. He's picking his spots and trusting his teammates. We haven't seen this part of LeBron for a lighter, lighter part of his career. But he's trusting his teammates. And also Reeves is playing out of his mind. And timely. <laughs> yeah, and he's got the assignment, John, of guarding Steph Curry. That is a tall, tall task for, you know, a, a sophomore uh, player like Austin Reeves to have to guard arguably the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA and a guy who on offense never stops moving. He's right. just so fluid. Uh, you have to chase him all day long. People I saw uh, on social media and on Twitter and who were watching the game, fans were saying that Austin Reeves' legs looked tired, uh, especially on some of the free throws he shot in games three and four. And I was All saying, right. yeah, if you have to chase Steph Curry around for three hours, for three, four straight games yes. now, your legs would be tired too. But here's the thing um, we're seeing, right? And you, you hit the nail on the head again, talking about LeBron James trusting his teammates. Obviously, you know, we all uh, – we all saw the Lakers go to their go-to guy in crunch time, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, the guy who right. was Mr. <laughs> DNP for most yeah. of the season and the playoffs. But obviously he's their go-to guy scoring 15 points in the fourth quarter off the bench. Uh, first time anyone's done that for the Lakers since a guy named Kobe Bryant. I don't know if we've heard about him uh, right. in his rookie season back in the day when he used to airball those three throws in or three pointers in Utah. Uh, yeah. when he was coming off the bench back then and Eddie Jones was starting. So that, that, that was a huge performance. But what you were, you were referring to was LeBron and AD were able to say, we're going to put all of our focus, all of our attention on defense, right? We're going to stop these guys. They held the Warriors, like you said, a team that can go off and erupt at any moment to just 17 points in the fourth quarter. AD yeah. was huge on the defense. I don't know if you saw those final two possessions. He was running. He was the guy running around trying to guard Steph Curry 
uh, as yeah. a seven footer trying to shut him down. And, and earlier that matchup was exactly what the Warriors wanted. They were trying to get pick and roll screens that put AD on Steph and got him out of the paint and then allowed Steph to either find uh, a mismatch in the paint or to shoot over AD for three, which he did at reg with regularity in the first half until the Lakers, you know, figured out what they wanted to do defensively on that particular pick and roll play. Uh, right. but that was the matchup the Warriors wanted, but AD did a great job locking down on defense. LeBron, great defense in that fourth quarter. And when you're fo so focused on defense like that, especially against the Golden State Warriors, uh, yeah. it, it taxes you, it gasses you. And so to have Lonnie Walker step up with the scoring load um, and, and be that guy who had the confidence to shoot uh, whenever he got the ball and to get the ball from LeBron was huge for the Lakers because I don't think they win that game without Lonnie Walker. I just think the offense would have been too. Yeah, Lonnie Walker stepped up huge. Um, every every playoff series, there's always an X factor. And um, no one saw Lonnie Walker coming as an X factor that game. <laughs> but he, he definitely stepped up. Anthony Davis, this is Anthony Davis the Lakers signed up for, and he won it, and he needed to win. Um, he's been used on offensive end and defensive end. With this Anthony Davis, they definitely have a, def a definite chance of winning the championship to get past the Warriors. So I believe Anthony Davis keeps playing like this, and LeBron's going to be LeBron. You have a great shot. Well, we have Denver, maybe Denver or Phoenix waiting, so that's going to be a tougher task also. But that's yet to be seen. But they play, they're playing now. They have a great chance of closing out and finishing off this series against Golden State. Yeah, it reminds me, John, of those old those old finals runs with the Lakers uh, with the Shaq Kobe era in the early 2000s. And, and what I mean by that is um, the mismatches would help the Lakers in some of those series and a different guy would have to step up. So depending right. on what the, what the weakness is, you might see a series where Shaq would just dominate, right? 30 points, 15 boards, five blocks. He'd be the MVP of the series. In fact, uh, recollection cor cor is, is correct. Those finals against your Sixers, uh, you know, that, that run where they only lost one game, and that was game one when AI stepped over yeah. Tyron Lue, that famous, that famous gif. Um, but they didn't really have a big man. You know, the, the Sixers really didn't have a big man that was anywhere near somebody who could compete yeah. with Shaq. Yes. I know the Matumbo. Pacers had Rick. Yeah. Matumbo, it was there. But I mean, at that point, he was later in his career and Shaq yeah. was in his prime. Uh, right. Then you have a guy like Rick Smith's on the Pacers. Again, you know, good guy, you know, pretty good guy player, but just could not hang with Shaq. And the same thing when they played the at the time, the New Jersey Nets. Um, you know, and, and that team, which was like Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson, and, you know, they had some nice pieces, but they didn't have a center uh, anywhere near the likes or a big man that, that could try to hold down Shaq. So in those series, it was Shaq dominating those series and winning finals MVP, where, you know, when they had to go through the Spurs or the Kings to get to those finals, and the Kings had, you know, Chris Webber and Vladi Divots, and the Spurs had Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Uh, they had a front court that could maybe make it more life more difficult on Shaq. Those were the games Kobe Bryant needed to step up and be the right. MVP of those series. And so, so far for the Lakers against a Grizzlies team that didn't have Steven Adam and didn't have Damian Clark, 
um, their best big man, their one-two punch, uh, it was much easier for the Lakers to, to go to Anthony Davis and let him dominate. Now you go to a Warriors team that outside of Kevon, Kevon Looney, who's just a rebound machine, but he's not a big man who can score and go on defense. And, right. and you know, AD's making every big man they throw at them, including 6'9", Draymond Green, barbecue chicken right now. So AD needs to be as strong as in Long Island iced tea, as I like to say. And he needs to be the one to dominate uh, this Golden State Warriors team, which is small. Uh, they have nobody who can who can guard him uh, defensively. Uh, they have nobody who can stop him. They have nobody who and they have nobody offensively who can kind of that's that's why you saw in game four, the Warriors focus so much on getting AD out of the paint because they can't get any points in the paint because he's blocking everything in there and protecting the rim for the Lakers, uh, right. especially against those smaller guys. Whether it's the Suns and DeAndre Ayton, or whether it's the Nuggets, and we all know who plays center for the Denver Nuggets, the, the two-time MVP, should have been three-time MVP, in my opinion, just if you look at the stats alone, but I'm glad MB got it, um, right. and Nikola Jokic. That's going to be a nightmare matchup for, for the Lakers now because, uh, it, you know, those are guys who can at least make life a lot more difficult on AD, throw a bigger body yeah. at him. And so it's going to have to be LeBron James and some other guys in those series, depending on the matchup. Uh, it can't be AD dominating like we saw in the first two rounds. But to, whether it's whether it's Wednesday night in game five or whether it's in game six on Friday back in Los Angeles, which is what, what you and I think is going to happen. AD needs to, to be Rihanna and, and go work, 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 work uh, in the paint and on defense to protect the rim. And if he does that, uh, then the Lakers should should win the series and take on whether it's Denver or Phoenix in the next round. Yes, um, the Lakers went through a hell of a season. Um, the pre pre trade deadline, post deadline, are totally different teams, and they had their. The good thing is they got health as a key during the playoffs, and they got their health issues out of the way early. Everyone's healthy now, and everyone's playing at the right level at the right time. And chemistry during the playoffs at the right time, chemistry for winning. So. <laughs> So that definitely that definitely can lead to the to the championship. Yeah. So, absolutely. You know, for me covering the team, I never, in my wildest dreams, back in January, February, thought that this team would be one win away from the Western Conference Finals. Never in my wildest dreams. It did not appear at that time like they had the right pieces around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They were sticking to this Russell Westbrook experiment, which even non-basketball purists, people who right. don't understand the game from an X and O's perspective, knew he was not a good fit alongside these first ballot Hall of Famers and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And Russell right. Westbrook will probably be a first, first ballot Hall of Famer too, but he plays a completely different style than LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the one right. thing I was giving Darvin Ham, a, a rookie head coach who, in my opinion, um, has been outcoached at times uh, throughout the regular season, throughout the postseason. Some of the rotations he's thrown out on the court have been questionable at best. So when you add that and his inexperience to the mix, it just did not look like this was a team that was going to make a deep postseason run or have a chance to contend. Uh, I do give Darvin Ham credit, though, for, for somehow getting Russell Westbrook after about the first two weeks of the season to buy in and come off the bench because that was the only way he could fit in at all with this team, which is if he, you know, wasn't in the starting lineup, let LeBron and AD do what they do for the first 
10 minutes of the game and then they can go sit down and Westbrook can come in and do what he does, which is go 110 miles per hour at all times, uh, all gas, no brakes, as they like to say, and, and play his style of ball. Um, but that still, they still didn't have shooters around LeBron and AD. They yes. didn't have athleticism and length. Uh, they didn't have perimeter defending. Uh, it just seemed like a island of misfit toys pieced together that was just not right. going to figure it out. At one point, I think they were six games below 500. They were in 13th place. So never yeah. in my wildest dreams, I think this was going to happen. And all signs pointed to the fact that that Rob Polinka, the Lakers vice president of basketball operations and, and general manager, was was calling teams to inquire about Westbrook and trying to trade Westbrook. But it seemed like nobody was willing to take on that contract, that Albatross contract, $47 million this season that Westbrook had. So I think the Los Angeles Lakers all need to take a really nice team photo, make a nice Christmas card, everybody sign it, put some money in there, and send that over to Danny Ainge in Utah. Because if Danny Ainge doesn't take on that what Russell Westbrook contract and yes. send Vanderbilt and Beasley uh, to the Lakers, yes. then none of this happens. So thank you to Danny Ainge, because by taking on Westbrook's contract, which ultimately they waived and bought out and he was able to go to the Clippers. But by doing that, that likely saved the Lakers season, because now, like you said, six guys went out at the deadline. Six new guys came in. Six guys on a 12 man team, John, that is 50 percent of your team is brand new guys. And What Palenka nailed was it was guys they needed. They weren't huge names. They weren't superstars. It wasn't Kyrie Irving like everyone wanted. Even LeBron wanted, as you saw, when LeBron, when Kyrie right. went to Dallas and LeBron tweeted out, I must be doing something wrong or whatever he, he said and then deleted. You know, he was upset that he didn't get Kyrie too. It wasn't right. those names, but it was the pieces they needed. It was three-point shooting. It was perimeter defending like Jared Vanderbilt. It was guys who could step up and score points in flurries like D'Angelo Russell who can shoot for three. It was a yep. three-point sniper in Malik Beasley. Um, it was a center, a backup center in Mo Bamba, which I know you haven't heard that name uh, throughout the first two rounds of the playoffs. But trust me, if they play Denver in the Western Conference Finals, Mo Bamba will get some run and he will use all six of his fouls trying to stop Nikola Jokic. And that's when yeah. you'll see Mo Bamba's name uh, out there. So, and another big thing that, that Palenka told me about that trade deadline, the trades was they saw what you saw in Austin Reeves. They saw this guy, as they like to say, he is him, right? They saw a guy that has right. the ability to score 25 points a night, but he didn't get the playing time with the way the roster was constructed, which was very guard heavy at the time. So by sending some of those guards out, Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, um, uh, Kendrick Nunn, et cetera, it allowed Austin Reeves to get more playing time and be inserted into the starting lineup, which obviously a guy like Lonnie Walker had to go to the bench uh, in those moments. So, But that was a huge difference for the Lakers now. Uh, So now you you have kind of a similar team like I saw in the bubble in the sense that you can play so many different styles now. You can match up. You can go big. You can go small. You can go long. You can put AD with four three-point shooters out there and spread the floor. Uh, you can go 
defense and just a lot of perimeter defenders and guys that can protect and, and guard their man one-on-one. You have so many options and versatility now that, that that one trade, sending six guys out and six guys in at the deadline, those multiple trades, I mean, but that one deadline deal deals, all of them, made this team deeper, more athletic, more physical, more uh, more longer on the perimeter, and, and more three-point shooting. And now you're seeing, even with no time, no training camp, no time to practice, no time to really gel, what this team can do uh, against one of the best defensive and physical teams in the league in the Grizzlies, now yeah. against defending champions in the Warriors, and then potentially looking at you know a, a, a superstar team in the Suns, uh, a super team, or uh, the number one team in the West in the Nuggets. We'll see. Yeah, and right now things the Phoenix are playing without CP3. They seem to be playing better, but I mean they need they need they're going to need everybody against the Lakers definitely. But um, a lot of people don't know that um that playing this team. Playing a team like the Lakers, you have to play you have to bring it all every game. And a lot of people don't know Lonnie Walker was winning games for the Lakers early in the season. This we just did his last game, but he he's been a constant also. So <laughs> he just happened to step at the so step up at the right time. So yeah. So what's interesting about that story? So for your listeners, they may get a kick out of this. Who knows? Um, you know, uh, I. So I think, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think 33 out of the first 34 or 35 games this season, Lonnie Walker was in the starting lineup for the Lakers. Uh, this was a guy that most people thought was going to re-sign with the San Antonio Spurs in the offseason. He right. took a chance and came to the Lakers. The Lakers were hoping he could fill the shoes of Malik Monk, who is was having a great season with Sacramento. As you saw, he had a great playoff series with them. Uh, he was great for the Lakers last season when they didn't make the playoffs. They wanted to re-sign him, but they knew he was going to get paid. Uh, he was going to get that bag somewhere else. Uh, right. He did in Sacramento. So they needed somebody to pick up that role. Uh, an athletic guy, uh, athletic defender, quick, speed, um, confident shooter, uh, someone who can score points in bunches. They needed that, and they figured Lonnie Walker could be that guy. So they liked that signing in the offseason when he came with the Spurs. And when, it, when Russell Westbrook was taken out of the starting lineup to come off the bench, that's when Lonnie Walker was inserted to the starting lineup. Uh, and he started a lot of games for the Lakers. And it wasn't Lonnie's fault that, that the team just wasn't really ill-fitted for, for the talent they had and the goals that they had. You know, it wasn't his fault that, you know, Westbrook and Beverly and those guys just weren't good pieces for LeBron and AD. So once the trade deadline came and, and Lonnie got hurt midway through the season and he, you know, went to the bench for a bit, was was trying to get back healthy again. He got back healthy. But by the time he got back healthy again, John, the trade deadline had come. And now you have six new pieces. And what you need to do when you make a trade like that is you need to play the new guys as much as you can with the different lineups and rosters you can assemble if you're Darvin Ham, because you need to know what you have come playoff time. You need to see how those pieces fit together like for example you're not seeing troy brown and malik beasley really in the rotation at all for the for the playoffs outside of a couple right. games early in memphis because he now knows you know if their three-point shots aren't falling their defensive liabilities yes. and so they can't be out on the on the court unless you know those guys can start hitting it from three very quickly so uh he knows what he has in those pieces and he's seen it and so those guys are sitting down 
So what happened was, you know, he's been kind of inserting Lonnie Walker a tiny bit these last few games over Troy Brown, but not major minutes, you know, less than 10 minutes a game, five, six minutes a game, just to spell guys, or he'll come out if it's a blowout, like, like we saw game three were blowouts, you'll see some Lonnie Walker minutes. At halftime, he was sitting there, and, and uh, Darvin Ham is a player's coach. It's why he probably got the job. It's why all the players in the league or people on Milwaukee, like Giannis and uh, Atlanta, where he coached, any place Darvin Ham has ever been, players love him. He's a player's sure. coach. So uh, he went into that locker room and he said, look, they are killing us on this Steph Curry pick and roll. Killing us. They're attacking AD with whoever's man is guarding AD. They're bringing out, they're setting the screen, and they're forcing the Lakers to either switch, go over top. But no matter what they do, they're playing right into the Warriors' hands. And the bottom line is AD is no longer in the paint. So the, the Warriors can now attack the paint. I think game four was the first time all series they had more points in the paint in the Lakers. And that's not a recipe for success to win a game if you're the Lakers. And that's because they were able right. to get AD out of the paint and then they had no rim protection. So they were able to attack the paint. And so they're in the locker room at halftime. They're trailing in the game, I believe, but not by much. And Darvin Ham is saying, what do we do? And LeBron was the one who said, like, we can, we can figure this out defensively, but we need more help on offense. We need someone quick, a shooter who can kind of help us in transition and help right. us on offense. And that person was Lonnie Walker. So it was LeBron who went deep in his bag, like it's in and out, and there's still fries at the bottom, to say, <laughs> let's put Lonnie Walker in here, a guy that's, you know, low man on the bench, and see right. if this can help us. And clearly, as you saw, it helped him huge in the fourth quarter because it yes. allowed them to focus on that pick-and-roll defense and shut things down that they knew were coming. and then. Sorry, I got a mosquito here. So it allowed them to go do those things. And then obviously Lonnie Walker picked up the offensive load. So that's a cool story of what happened there at halftime of how Lonnie Walker's number ultimately ended up getting called. Yeah, Lonnie Walker has all around game. He has a lot of a lot of people still high highlights, high flying dunks, but he proved it in game five. <laughs> I mean, sorry, game four that he he's he's one. He does an overall yeah. game. He could do it from all over, from deep, from attacking the basket, from two. Yeah, and that was confidence. And talking to Lonnie after that game, Lonnie was saying, you know, he had been working at the gym with his with his dad, uh, his best friend, his brother, uh, and they were just staying ready, staying ready. And it was LeBron who kept telling him, stay ready because your moment's coming. He said it was a dream come true to, you know, be in a playoff series like this, to play the champs. He just needed an opportunity, and he got that opportunity. Now, that may not come again. That may be his 15 minutes of fame, those 15 points. Uh, right. Or they might need him again in another matchup late in a series or something. We'll see. But uh, it doesn't. That, that kind of proves to you it doesn't matter with your number one uh, on the depth chart or number 15. If you stay ready, depending on the matchup, depending on the moment, your number could get called, and you have to be ready to, to shine in that moment. Definitely. Michael, what was the pleasure to speak with you? Thanks for your time again. Thank you, John. Appreciate you. Uh, and good luck to your Sixers. Uh, didn't think they'd win that game five in Boston. So I'm, I'm excited. I would love them to knock out. Obviously, as a Lakers fan and a guy who covers the Lakers, I'm not a Celtics fan. So I want to see them go down and hopefully the MVP and the beard can do it. 
Yeah, with a great mess up with uh, Jimmy Butler and the, and the Miami Heat. That's going to be a series of Sixers and the Miami Heat. Um, we already know my, um, Jimmy. I mean, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler was on um, Sixers previously. It'd be like a homecoming for him a little bit. So <laughs> that'd be right, something. If it, could be, if it could somehow be a Lakers Sixers Finals matchup, like back in the old days, back in the late seventies, I like that. Yes. And I can come out to Philly and see you in person. So definitely, definitely looking forward to that. Yes, thanks for your time, Mike. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.